0: Good vibes, everybody. Thanks for joining us here on ESPN Esports, whether you're watching us on Twitch, the ESPN app, YouTube, or on Twitter. Thank you very much. This is our weekly ESPN Esports Valorant show, where we talk all things Valorant. Of course, lots of tournaments coming through. Myself, Jacob, and Tyler are on the show every single week. Emily is off today, so we decided to bring a special guest. You may remember him from our ESPN Esports valorant invitational and pretty much every single other valorant tournament out there he is casting he's making a name for himself and actually i'll just go so far as to say that he is the number one caster out there right now Wow! i said it that's right number one take that pocket
1: (laughs) yeah that's right take that chris pocket
0: Simo, welcome back, my dude. How are you? I love you, Puck. I'm kidding.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, well. Thanks for having me. I mean, the last time I was on the show was right after the ESPN uh, Valorant Invitational, and a lot has changed since then. Not only within my own casting, but within the competitive Valorant scene as well. And um, of course, we'll we'll touch on that throughout the show.
0: Well, we're going to start with that. Actually, the patch notes are out, so we finally have some changes. Two major ones to talk about, other than the skins, we'll get to that in a second. Is the Guardian? So, Tyler, the Guardian now uh, is buffed in terms of price. It's reduced from 2,700 to 2,500. The rate of fire has been reduced, however, from six and a half to four and three quarters. But for me, the big one there is the uh, penetration power increased from medium to heavy, so a lot more wall bang for your buck there with the Guardian. Now, do you feel with these changes, Tyler, that we're going to see the Guardian selected a lot more in competitive?
2: No, I don't at all, really. I feel like if you're going to go for penetration, you would just go for either the cheap option of Aries or you just go full Sinatra and Odin. Uh, I I feel like it's, it's trying to at least separate it from the Vandal and the Phantom, lowering the price to make it feel less of a heavy buy. Uh, it's a more of a long range one tap gun now, like as it was intended before, but now even the burst is slower. It, it's it's very much a situational gun, so which I don't mind. I think that some people, some players might find some edges with it, and I'm kind of I'm excited to see what happens to it. Right, like I don't believe it's gonna be meta. It's not gonna be like a Vandal or a Phantom or you know a any you know an operator where you're gonna see that in every single game almost every single round, but we've we seen Sinatra pick up the Odin, kind of make that his own gun, make that kind of his and Sentinel's style, right? So maybe we'll see some players or a team kind of make the Guardian play it, fit with their play style. So I want to see actual pros play with the Guardian. I've not really ever played it. I like, you know, praying and spraying. So it's it's... We'll see how it goes. I'm not super sore on it, but I want to see if some pros can figure out a way to use it that we haven't thought of.
0: Simo, what do you think? Do you think that uh, we're going to see a lot more Guardian in play?
1: I think I have to agree with Tyler. It all depends on who ends up picking it up. It might be one of those things where players are a little afraid to pick it up. From what I've seen in the NA scene is that there's, little, there's a little fear to have innovation. Players are playing standard meta and they're not really looking to play outside of that. We saw Sentinels earlier this weekend really play outside of what we consider or feel like is the meta. And so, like Tyler is saying, it's just going to take one player to uh, make waves and, and make that adaptation to use that weapon. But realistically what i feel riot is doing is they're just trying to separate it from the vandal and the phantom similar to what uh tyler said and to do that i mean you obviously have to change the weapon but they're also changing the price and i think that cost Mm -hmm. is really the biggest and most important thing um because considering how expensive the vandal and the phantom may be the guardian is now a little cheaper and it might be a little bit more closer in contention with let's say the bulldog um but
3: more of like a one hitter quitter type weapon i mean it's a fun weapon and I, i thought ever since the game came out like There were moments when it was, like, enjoyable, but it was really weak. It was probably one of the lowest bought weapons in the game. I, like, very rarely saw it. Um, And uh, moreover, too, like, I still think it's not as good as the Bulldog, just, like, first impression, right? Like, I think the Bulldog, especially, and the price is not so different, right? Like, there's a lot of difference between, and, and I understand, it. it's 400 gold now less than the Vandal and the Phantom. It's 400 gold more than the Bulldog. But, like, how often are you going to have 2,500 gold just sitting there, or, like, 2,500 uh, 2,500 to buy, right? Like, it is, I would much rather buy a Spectre or a Bulldog and yeah. or an Ares and, like, wait it out, right? And then, like, have a better eco later in the game uh, than I would. Or, like, if I had the money, just go ahead and invest in the Vandal or the Phantom. I Like, I don't. The goal change is big because now there is like a world where it is potentially bought, but i don't think it's so marginal that that it is and i don't think the gun is so much better than the bulldog that it necessarily demands the fact that like it's worth that extra four hundred if you have it Simo? like if you're on the on the seams i mean like if you literally have like just enough money right like sure i th- I think what we're
1: learning, especially with competitive valorant is that. Realistically, anything is possible. Um, you know, Players have to make the decision, especially at the higher upper echelon of competitive valorant. Okay, I've got X amount of credits to spend. What am I going to spend it on? And that's why you're seeing in certain cases... Uh, Around two phantom, which is at the beginning of the beta, really unheard of. Players really just opting in for the classic, no utility. And then the first round, they win the pistol. Well, what do you know? Now I can afford a phantom. I mm. still don't need the utility. The other team doesn't have utility, and so you might find yourself in the situation where, okay, well, what if I can't afford a phantom or a vandal? Do I go for the bulldog? Do I go for the specter? The guardian just now became an option. And it is up to the players to decide on that option. While I agree with you, we probably won't see it for quite some time. It is now just an additional option in see, which there wasn't one before.
0: I do like the features of the Guardian. I like that it's become a heavy... I do like the... Um, what is it called? ADS? The yes. yeah, yeah. I yes. do like the zoom in <laughs> on the ADS, right? Like, it's further than most other guns. You would get that sort of zoom in with the Guardian as opposed to the Phantom or the Vandal, for example. However... I guess what I'm wondering is how many people it's gonna take a while to experiment with the Guardian such that you would choose it deliberately over a vandal or a phantom. I think I the guess, only reason you know what I mean?
3: I think the only reason you would though is the range, right? And that's what they emphasized in the patch notes was the fact that it is a long range weapon, right? Like in some ways it it is very it's very similar to the the lower cost uh, sniper also in, in that sure, sense, right? Sure. It it does a like It is a headshot weapon. If you are, like, fairly pinpoint accurate on a pixel level, like, it definitely has a place in your heart for being long range and cheap. Like, this is something that I feel like a player holding a single, like, holding a mid in any of the maps, honestly. Like, holding the mid position is something worth maybe potentially picking up, but, like... And I'm sure like with this change we will see it more in lower so, Elo like well, that's indefinitely what I was saying yeah right.
0: like that's like, that's my thing is that lower Elo I've seen plenty of people uh, lurk through showers and pick off somebody in heaven right uh, on on bind I get that part but what I'm saying is like at the competitive level i just don't see how a guardian would stack up against someone who's got an op with no utilities or anything do you know what i mean like i feel no, like he's gonna die like right <laughs> especially when you're playing at competitive pubs get it competitive i wonder if the guardian's gonna penetrate there i, I don't know
2: it'll take time it's gonna take experimentation it's just another it's another kind of uh factor thrown in right like you want to have as much variety as possible. I am sure a team or a player will figure out the Guardian, and then we will see that spread out into the evolution of how Sinatra is doing with the Odin. It's, it'll be interesting. I, I like the change. It changes up. It makes it different from the Vandal and Phantom. And that you know, whole fair Guardian was never... It's a, it's a good change. It, it brings more variety to the game. It makes it a different type of gun, so I'm all in.
1: Dope. Arda, I, I was gonna say you've seen a lot of people use the the Guardian Elo Elo. Are you implying that you are at the uh, the lower end of the Elo? You've no, no, these? no. I'm <laughs> watching streams, okay. I'm watching people on Twitch. Okay, okay. Clearly, okay.
0: nobody <laughs> needs to know my rank because it's very high. Tyler yeah. knows, and he'll yeah, vouch for uh-huh. me. Okay. We are just like <laughs> grinding plat, you know. Like it's yeah. it's a rough life there, it. but. It's rarefied <laughs> air. Uh Speaking of uh, a rough life, I think that there's going to be very long... I, I feel like Valorant, in a way, has become baseball, or it will become baseball, and that we're going to have a ton of extra innings with these new overtime stipulations. Simo, get ready for, like, three-hour casts, <laughs> like, in one game, yeah. simply because I could just envision a, a a situation with the new overtime rounds where teams are going, like, I don't know, 40 to 38 or something like that. So... Just to catch everybody up, in case you don't know, new competitive overtime rules have been established. It's the same in unrated, but in competitive, basically, you have to win by two. After every two rounds, if the teams are still tied or it's up by, yeah, still tied, then there's a vote system. You can read it on your screen there. I'm just going to assume that the vote system will not be there for competitive, right? So so basically, the rule for competitive that I want to focus on here is that They have to win by two now. So, Simo, tell me, as a caster, you're going to have to cast these things. (laughs) You're going to have to talk about these things. Uh, Are you in favor of this change, or do you think that it's going to be a little bit too laborious?
1: I I honestly feel like, well, at least in this current moment, um, it might feel a lot like... um... How Smash was in the early days where they were deciding items on or items off. You know, people are still going to be deciding whether or not they want to introduce that or include that or not. Um, I am casting a tournament in this upcoming weekend that starts on Friday, the Pulse Invitational. And the way that they've decided to go about it is they are doing no overtime ruling in group stage and then overtime ruling in the playoff stage. So we might see certain adaptations like that. Um, because at the end of the day, a best-of-one doesn't really matter as much as a playoff game. So maybe those overtime rules don't really matter. And not to mention, in talking with one of my good friends, Van Silly, some cases it doesn't even, over, doesn't even go to overtime. Teams can be winning 13-10 all the way down to like 13-2 in certain cases. So um, I think the a- the addition of it still doesn't make it feel like CS. Obviously, CS, the, the more comparative game when it comes to Valorant. But I still don't think we're seeing the same tournament times um, As CS, even with these new changes, even if tournament admins start to adapt that into their rule set,
2: great change. I I like it. You now have to win on attack and defense. Basically, if you win attack yep. and defense, you win the game. So it's great. I actually really like it. Right. But you
0: mentioned you switch every round, right?
2: So, so it's right. essentially like, it's like college football, right, where you you know you're both on the you know opposing uh, teams' 25 yard line, and whoever stops the other. team... <laughs> So you you can now you don't have the favor of being you know defending team on split where it's twelve to twelve, and you just are you know second half on defense. Now you just have a huge chance, you know, f- uh, a full buyout. So you now have to win attack and you have to defense. And I feel like that's good. I think this is a huge change. It's really good for competitive. I don't think we're gonna get you know we we will get a thirty eight or something crazy like that. But I do think that it's going to be really fun to watch. I, I like that, especially with, you know, how Valorant maps are, where most of them are, no you know, decided. Now that this forces teams to actually win an attack side, it forces... And I think we're going to get a lot of really close, exciting matches. And I, I know we're talking about, you know, oh, no, these matches might go on forever, but that's really exciting. It will be exciting to see, like, a 24, 24 match. If where, you know, it's year, rare. If yeah. it's rare. Maybe yeah, if you it's guys. the normal. Maybe yeah,
3: for
2: you guys. Simo's <laughs> so yeah, it. It I mean, not, not paid by the minute. Yeah. But but we have to think of how many overtime matches have we really had in, yeah, in these top tournaments? So true, true. I know I know a hundred thieves had a few of them, but for the most part we only see maybe, you know, two or three a tournament. So if you have two or three a tournament and you now have this, like, extra actual overtime mode where a team has to win attack and defense. I think it's great. I think we're going to get some really good matches from it. I think a hype match where you have two teams going back and forth, back and forth, just trying to see which team can, you know, kind of dominate. Like, you have to win the map. You have to win an offense and a defense, and then you win. So I think this is a perfect change. Uh, I like the rules in ranked where you now have to vote. Like, so after the first... Uh, you know, the first tie in overtime, six people have to vote yes, and then it goes down from there. So by like the th- after the third one, if one person says, I don't have enough time for this, it goes to a draw. I-, I just think it's a really great move by Valorant. Like, uh, i yeah, really impressed by this. Uh, I'm excited to see this in actual.
3: It's, it's a different flavor of kind of what you still get in competitive Counter-Strike in the sense that like you. The same rules apply in the fact that you have to win on both sides in an overtime in-, in Counter-Strike to be able to close out the game. This is just a different way of doing that, and I'm all for it, right? Like, the best teams need to be able to show that they're flexible. We definitely have seen some teams in Counter-Strike, and very early now with the limited amount of data we have in Valorant, that, like, there are teams who are only good on one side of the map, right? Like, that's that happens, and, and then they just get steamrolled, right? Like, um, on the other one, So, it, like... Teams, the best teams, to be one of the best teams, in my opinion, in Valorant, you need to be able to be good on both and have good strategies on both ends of the, of the map and being able to really sort of push your advantage uh, and win out both sides. Like this, I like how that works in Counter-Strike. I like this change, too, because I like think that it's going to make the better team win, because that's what makes a better team is being flexible on both sides.
2: I also think I also, uh, uh, also want to think that uh, teams now might be holding you know, cheat strategies. Like, let's say if you're a team like T1, TSM, Immortals, you know, you a, you could now go into the lab and be like, hey, if we go overtime, let's think of a stern strategy we can pull out on Ascendant or, you know, a set, uh, attack on Split. Where now these teams can have these, like, very specific strategies that they can throw out in these overtime rounds, where it's like, we just need one attack round, one defense round, so I think we're gonna see some more variety and some kind of uh, experimentation in overtime from exciting I'm all for this it's, it's a great change uh, yeah.
0: let quickly let's quickly touch up on what else got announced uh, ultra edition skins so we got dragons on our guns we got uh, <laughs> I, I will I, I will say I like the experimentation I, I like the outside the box thinking in a way because uh, I'm sure a lot of Fans of the game or casual fans will enjoy it. I mean, I don't think we're going to see any competitive play, obviously. But hey, you know what? Listen, if people are going to buy them, hey, you why not sell them?
1: You yeah. think, you think the we'll one... see some dragons? I mean, at the end of the day, the one thing that I have to kind of be cautious of and, and really think about is that in certain games, there gets to a point where certain skins are banned because it is just not easy for the team to see or it's not easy for the team mm-hmm. to identify certain things. I don't think that'll be the case with the dragon skin because it's glowing. Um, but you have to think about things like where um, let's say someone's peeking mid in in the haven window and their the barrel of their weapon peeks out well what if uh, a gun skin makes it shorter well obviously everyone's going to pick that gun skin over any other gun skin and so i mean at the end of the day these skins look great i'm not really sure where the finger goes for the trigger but that is the one thing that i am thinking about when it comes to like actual professional play Yeah, Yeah, so it it really matters about the actual, like, animation and whether it will
0: reveal or
3: hide details. That's a very good point. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm, like, not surprised at all that that this is a thing, right? Because, like, we see ultimate skins in League of Legends, right? Where, like, there are tons of different skins in League, but the ultimate skins are, like, incredibly expensive. Pulsefire, Ezreal, etc., right? Like, and they're not, like, highly used and competitive, but I do think your point, uh, Simo, is, like, really important because... That was something that I don't think Riot Games thought about when they made League, in the fact that there were a bunch of like early skins that are outlaw or were outlawed before reworks in most cases. Cassidy had a couple skins that come to mind like this where like you could not use them in competitive because there were certain UI bugs or like the the abilities were cloaked differently and, and like they weren't as apparent. Um and I I can't see a world where like Riot isn't thinking about that for Valorant. Having that experience in League and going like, yeah, we had some skins that people can't use. Because here's the thing, and this is like, we actually talked about this uh, on the trivia show earlier in the week, like, why Why would they want to encourage pro players to use skins? Because if a pro player uses a skin, then their fans are going to want to buy it. This is why, like, everybody gets super excited when Faker uses a skin for, like, three times sure. he's done it in his career, right? Like, uh, in, in League, like, it's the same thing. Like, if you see Wardell using a cool Operator skin, like, you're going to want to buy that skin. So, I like... I don't see a world mm. where Riot doesn't think to themselves, like, yeah, we got to make sure all these, like, are competitively okay, sure. right? Like, competitively mm, yeah. balanced, because uh, we want them in, in competitive as much as possible.
2: Polygon actually interviewed the uh, some of the skin team at Riot, and they actually had high elo players test out the uh, dragon guns to it. make sure to make sure that they would not be distracting in high-yellow play, that you can actually play them in pro play, and that they would not be distracting or given advantage or disadvantage for either side. So, obviously, Riot wants to make a lot of money. They're going to make a lot of money from these skins. <laughs> They're going to sell... I can... Like, tomorrow, you're just going to pop into every game, and every every freaking player is going to have, you know, all the dragon guns and, the you know, the flaming, uh, the flaming dagger melee weapon. So, you know, again... I I'm not like I think they look cool. I don't think I'll buy any of them. I don't it's a little bit too much. Like I'm it's it's a little too much where like the dragons are interacting with you and like spitting out like everything and they're grabbing the shells and they're grabbing the cartridges to like insert the the bullets into themselves and it's I, I like it. I, it's going to sell like hotcakes, but sure. not for me. But, but you know, everyone's going to have like their thing, right? Where it's like they're gonna do probably a corgi set, and people are gonna go crazy for corgis. Or oh yeah, they'll do something about robots or mechanical things or race cars. Like this thing, this is just the start. Like I would not oh, be surprised if, sure. like we're gonna get so many variants of these things because they're gonna sell like hotcakes. Like this is this is where Valorant's gonna make a lot of its money, and like mm-hmm. for a year from now, we're gonna learn that like they're a billion dollar game because people just want to buy a hundred dollar dragon sets and a hundred dollar corgi sets, So. I think it's cool. It shows that the skin team at Riot knows how to market themselves and make some really cool skins. So, good job. And as long as it doesn't interfere with pro play, I'm all for it. It's,
0: it's. I, agree. I mean, it's it's a cash cow, 100. Yeah. percent There's gonna be collaborations. You're gonna see. It's just gonna be, uh, yeah. yeah. It's uh, yeah, definitely, good definitely thing. something too. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's move on to some of the competition that we've <clears throat> seen recently, and that will come up as well. I quickly want to mention the uh, GG Tech Invitational that happened in AM. Congratulations to Estrel Esports, who won 1500 bucks. The reason I bring it up is this was an example of... Uh, it's cool that we're seeing Ignition Series tournaments happen across the world in different regions. The only concerning thing for me... Was the viewership itself. Yeah. And I understand that this is not a North America, you know, it, the, the firepower wasn't yeah. there in terms of established names or established esports organizations and top players like Wardell and Sabrosa and Brax and all the familiar names that people know. But I'm still a little concerned that I was watching the final and on Twitch there was about 1,400 viewers and on YouTube maybe 57. So the yeah. reason I bring this up is because I wonder if this is just don't worry, it wasn't promoted as much and it is an emerging region that not many people are paying attention to? Or is this a sign of, listen, this is what Valorant is going to be mm. uh, in certain regions. How mm. do we process, more generally, Jacob, how do we process these sort of numbers for a tournament like this?
3: Oh, a couple things, right? And I know that some of us have talked about this among each other. So... First of all, like, the marketing and promotion for this tournament wasn't great. right? Yeah. Like, right? It, it was kind of whatever. I, I've seen a lot of tournaments like this where you, like, they announce, like, same day, or, like, they just do very little promotion, or, like, they don't really have a big English base, uh, potentially, right? Like, or in some cases, they don't even have an English cast, right? Which makes it really kind of difficult. They should hire Simo. Um, but uh, <laughs> nonetheless, uh-huh. um, nonetheless, right, like, the other part of this that's been really interesting is the lack of the use of the Riot Games channel, right? Yeah. Like, I... A lot of these channels have it, been really spread out, and it has been, like, where can you find Valorant, right? Like, if you're not, like, a Juked or Pop Dog user, you're probably a little lost, right? Like, it's hard to find this content, and I think that the, the big thing is that Riot needs to get better at making it a little bit more uniform. Now, if that's, like, start twitch.tv slash Valorant, and then, like, every licensed tournament gets the option to use that channel right and like split revenues or however they want to do the business part of it like that may be a good option but like yeah it's just been that like every tournament like I, I know tyler said this to us earlier like the fact that the 100 thieves tournament was on the cash app twitch channel <laughs> who who the hell subs or like follows Cash app cash app for alerts no offense but like right like what's the deal here and, and i think that that's like I think this is a huge issue, and look, like, I know they've had a couple tournaments on on Riot's official channels, but, like, either they need to open the funnel up a little bit, or they need to do something a little different, besides just for the Ignition Series events. I think
1: think, um, some of my thoughts, specifically because I've been a part of some of these invitationals and tournaments, is that... Uh, In certain cases, they're lapped over each other. So, for example, Mm -hmm. the first one that was a part of, the G2 Esports Invitational, it was lapped over the Rage Invitational, and so so they were competing for the viewers at the same time. That's a big issue. Yes, there's time zone differences, and they might have broadcasts going at different times, but at the end of the day, coordination is probably going to be key. Um, And if you're a Riot, you obviously want to have as many tournaments as possible um, to test out whatever formats they are testing out. Of course, this is just... You know, the Ignition Series isn't, it's a great way for these organizations to get their own name and get their own teams out there. But at the end of the day, this is um, a a testing tube for for Riot's ability to see, okay, well, this worked, this didn't, this worked, this didn't. And and then from there, make a decision in 2021 how they want to do Valorant Esports. However, I do agree that it's probably best to maybe sync them up better um have english broadcasts for the broadcasts that you know are in varying languages just to add a little bit of extra flavor i know for g2 they had um not only the english broadcast but they had a portuguese one they had a spanish one they kind of mixed it up a little bit so um it's it kind of applies both ways uh but at the end of the day um i feel like it's so early in valorant esports to really say like well um, they should be doing this, or they should be doing this. There's still so much room left to, to to kind of open it up for Riot.
3: I I think, by the way, they should they should provide something. I think Riot should do for every tournament they give a license to, particularly for the Ignition events, right? Like, if but presumably all of them that they license to or have some sort of relationship, I would love to see them give some sort of subsidy subsidy like they do for prize pools. And for broadcast also, like, if if some of these, like, people that are running events that, like, have good teams but maybe aren't the, like, most uh, wealthy tournament organizer putting it together, like, I would love to see Riot say, like, here's, you know, like, ten grand, go pay day rate for, like, you know, for a couple days for English casters, right? Like, I think that every... And I I know I'm like a uh, arrogant ass American saying this, but like, <laughs> but none, nonetheless, right? Like, well, I think I think it's important because like English is the most sp- spoken language in the world. That like every single tournament at this point has an English language broadcast. And you know what?
0: Like, I, I get the idea. Like, maybe Cash App wants this on their channel because they want they they presume that people are going to find the channel to go watch this, and that's what they're paying for, right? It's like, hey, we're sponsoring this, so come on our channel because we're sponsoring it. But really, if you're paying, like, I don't know exactly, Tyler, tell me, like, you can tell me exactly what the arrangement is when you're partnering officially with Riot in the Ignition series. It, I think
2: you pay a fee, right? You pay a fee. It depends on what region you're in. Uh, North America, I believe, is the most expensive. Oh. Uh, it's, NA is most expensive, then Europe. Uh, Korea is pretty cheap. Oh. But, and then, but Latam, like, again, like, Latam and Brazil, the prize pools are, you know, a few thousand dollars. To get an NA tournament, it's actually quite pricey, but NA obviously, you know, and then we've seen it, NA tr- tournaments have been getting the most views, like the T1 Ignition tournament was peaking over 50,000, sure. uh, but I just want to talk a little bit about the Valorant uh, viewership, and I think a lot of people are kind of missing the point, and I, I see a lot of people kind of misguided on Twitter being like, the numbers are bad, the numbers are bad! Let me just say right now, the last 14 days of Valorant on Twitch, so this game is not new anymore, it's been out for over three months. Uh, the last 14 days, what's been new to the game, really? Prism skins? Nothing really new. The average viewership on Twitch, the last 14 days for Valorant, have been, is around 80,000. That is more than Overwatch has ever had in its entire history as a game. That is including Overwatch League, that's including beta that's including everything
0: okay to be, be fair though hmm. valorant has more overwatch stars in its <laughs> leagues than overwatch
2: does right now that's not okay that's okay you, you got a point there but i just want to say like the viewership in is actually amazing if you really want to see how big valorant is doing and how well it's doing look at ordell look at tens look at these these top streamers these top players and look at how they've grown in viewership in the last 2 to 3 months Wardell, 3 months ago was average at the start of valorant you know when it was in you know in beta and he was on mouse paths, and he was coming over from ghost so he was pretty much he was he had a name to himself like he was known from the csgo scene he had around 200 viewers 200 300 viewers you know he was grinding he was grinding every day you know streaming he now averages around 10k like, he has grown. If you just look at his chart, it just is going and going and going and going. Same with Hiko. Time. who was... It, it takes it, time. Yeah, it takes time. And these... It shows that these people actually want them to watch... They want to learn from the best players. They want to watch, you know, the top Valorant players. Tens is very similar, where he's gone from a few hundred to now 10k average. Valorant has a good viewership. It is just getting the people to realize when tournaments are on. Because... you have, uh, it's so difficult for them to actually
3: find the tournaments. So, I think there's actually something, and I know there are a few rioters that listen to this uh, show. So, like, if you hear us, (laughs) if you hear us. Be careful, Simo. uh, Don't say anything that (laughs) will cost you any jobs, okay? Be uh, Be very uh, careful, (laughs) man. If you say, if you hear this, my suggestion would be either partner with Juked or Pop Dog right, or or build your own, however you would like to do it, and have an integrated Valorant streams page on your website. That would be amazing. Here, like, I, some people may remember this. This is what Team Solo, uh, Solo, or, like, Solomid.net did really well, right, like, for for League of Legends. You could go to Solomid.net, click League of Legends, and find every Twitch stream League of Legends directory, right, without having to go, and you could, like, they'd have, like, certain things tiered, so, like, you could say, like, Ignition Event, here, boom, right, like, and, and you could do this in-game. There's, like, a lot of different <laughs> yeah. ways you could do this, yeah. and it would be, like, super effective, because that's actually something that other things do well. Like, I mentioned Pop Dog and Jude because they actively do that for every game at this point, but, like, to me, like, that should be done tomorrow, right? Like, it should be a priority, and, and you should be able to, like, whitelist certain streams to be at the top of that. So, like, here's a actual licensed event at the top of it, and here's all the other streamers. I, I did have one point that I wanted to
1: add. Somebody in chat saying that, uh, um, it is not allowed during Ignition Series events for streamers to stream during the tournaments, but mm-hmm. even particularly the players involved. That is completely not true. They are encouraged to stream during Ignition mm-hmm. Series event, mm-hmm. and so yes, it does take away viewership. But maybe it should it should it, it, it should stop at the TO level and not mm-hmm. at the, at the streamer level right. because it's being encouraged right. to stream to have more eyes, maybe just not on the actual stream. But a cross spread out and maybe that's the problem. I don't but know. But one thing is these
2: yeah. players don't want to show strats. That's why Hiko didn't stream the Initiative yeah. series tournament, is because he doesn't want people to hear his columns and basically break down 100 Thieves' strategies, right? right? So that's kind of the give and take, right? Where for like a G two tournament where it was a more streamer based and it was more of a fun tournament uh, that, yeah, you should everyone should stream that but like for the initial Series event some of the players did but for like 100 Thieves T1 TSM you don't want to leak your strategy so I do understand That kind of thing. and just right needs to be better about you know centralizing where for people to find these streams because I don't, every time I go into, like, Hiko's chat or Tenz's chat or Wardell's chat, you have thousand, you have 10,000 people plus in these chats. With Hiko, you have 20,000 plus. And they're always asking, like, when's the next tournament? Where's the tournament? When's the tournament? When's the tournament? And Hiko's like, uh, we're playing this weekend, and people have no clue where to go. Like, the Pulse Invitational that Simo's casting tomorrow is a really awesome tournament. It's 10 k Uh You have most of the top teams in NA playing. But I don't, if you ask most people, even myself, who watches every single tournament, I don't know where to go for Twitch. I don't, I'll, I'll find Just it.
1: follow me on Twitter. Yeah. I'll guide you. I'll get you there. Don't I worry. Think,
3: I think the one, <laughs> the the one thing, in my opinion, that, like, needs to be fixed here, to Tyler's point, though, is, uh, it, like, obviously, like, a lot of these, okay, so here's a good example of this. Say that, like. Uh, I presume that Team Liquid will probably get in Valorant sooner rather than later, right? And mm-hmm. say that Team Liquid were to play in a G2 G2 Esports tournament that was sponsored by Red Bull. Team Liquid mm. is sponsored by Monster if I remember correctly. So if you have a Team Liquid player streaming, he has to have a Monster ad on his mm. on his stream, right? Because that's part of his obligation. But the tournament is sponsored by Red Bull, which is a conflicting conflicting sponsor. Obviously, if you're a tournament organizer, you don't want someone to be watching a stream of your tournament sponsored by Red Bull with a monster logo plastered across it. You would like to have that Red Bull logo plastered across that stream, but you cannot. And I think that that is something else that, that like, this is something that Fortnite has had to deal with a little bit. But it's also, been, it's also been why, like, Epic Games itself, in its online events, have not rammed sponsors all over it. Right, because right, it right, adds, right. like, another level of conflict. It's hard to, like, monetize individuals in that instance in the way that the Fortnite ecosystem works. I think that that's something Valorant's going to have to figure out how to deal with also, because obviously, like, these tournament organizers need this money. Like, T1 needs Samsung, and G2 needs Red Bull to be able to, like, fund these events, yeah. right? Like, and break even or, or make a profit. And I think that that's really important uh, from the, like, single-player, like single player, you know, player uh, player POV uh, streams. Well, yeah.
0: speaking of figuring it out, Tyler figures out every week a weekly power ranking that mm. has been launched at ESPN.com slash esports uh, why don't you tell us how mm. exactly, like, reveal the giant spreadsheet mm-hmm. and all the macros and
2: calculations. Yeah. And yeah.
0: also, uh, you have a special announcement to make as well. Uh,
2: first off, how do I calculate these power ratings? So, it is not what I think are the top ten teams right now and today. It would be very much different if I was ranking them from my personal opinion on who's one to ten, just based on right now, if they play in a tournament, who do I favor? I am calculating the last four months of games, the last four tournaments of games, more recent tournaments are weighed more heavily, but I do not overlook tournament results from a month ago. So if you look at my top five uh, currently, you have obviously TSM number one, T1 number two, number three Immortals who have been very consistent, only losing to T1 and TSM in major tournaments. Number four, I have G, who might be a bit of a surprise. And number five, together we are terrific. Another maybe surprise pick, Gen.G very obviously not the number four team in NA right now. If you ask me personally, are they a top five team? Probably not. I'd probably put Sentinels in top five, especially after some of the most recent results. But if you look at the entire, you know, catalog of G, they have been one of the more dominant teams in beta tournaments and in early release. It was only a few weeks ago where they were, you know, going toe-to-toe of TSM, taking maps off them. They won a tournament where TSM was participating in, the Pittsburgh Knights uh, Online Cup. So, it's very difficult. I know we can have a little bit of debate here of where they think is too high, too low, but it's not just on what is now. I'm looking at more of a longer tail here where four months of tournaments, obviously the bigger Ignition Series events, more recent tournaments are going to be weighed more heavily. So it's, it's kind of a configuration of everything. And also uh, on the announcement part, uh, every Monday starting next Monday, I will be hosting the Valorant Power Ranking Show, where every week I will be showing my own personal power rankings. I will be bringing on a guest who will bring their own power rankings, and we will see who has the better (laughs) intellect when it comes to stacking the teams of North America Mm -hmm. and Europe, maybe APAC in the future when there's more Japanese and Korean events, but we're going to start with NA in Europe, and our first guest, who's going to be facing me and who has the better power rankings, and the chat can decide who is the better power ranker, is ardeo cal wow wow look at that
0: so i gotta come gotta 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 roll up the fists. (laughs) i gotta roll up the sleeves (laughs) i gotta clench the fists. i'm coming man i gotta make my my list is gonna be so intellectual tyler (laughs) it's gonna be the most intellectual valorant power (laughs) rankings list ever oh yeah ever i can't wait no this is awesome though so every monday uh do we have a time
2: 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern.
0: Excellent. So that's every single Monday right here on Twitch. Tyler will be hosting our Valorant Power Ranking show. First of its kind. There is no other pow- Valorant Power
3: Ranking show out there. Competitive Power Ranking. It's We've competitive Power that. Rankings.
2: It's, it's competitive Power Rankings, Arda. Who, has the, who is the better Power Ranker on the day? I, knew I was, was
3: about to say... I was about to say who's better who's better to uh, make people upset with power rankings than the man himself yeah, yeah, uh, being yeah. on fire? Yeah, who's been ESPN and so esports. So we uh-huh.
2: I've made I made uh, China mad at me of power rankings. I yep. made Korea mad at me. now you should do it on Twitch. It's gonna be professional power ranking. So let me
0: let me tell you that uh, if the results are determined by putting a poll on twitter my number one ranking is faker i just want everyone to know this okay faker is my number one ranking and uh, magnus the chess expert my number two uh rank in valorant so that's awesome congratulations on that awesome so that's every single monday 9 p.m eastern for the uh, power ranking show and you will have weekly power rankings uh on espn.com slash esports as well
2: Yes, uh, I will be okay. trying to do it weekly if there is major tournament. So Excellent. Uh, I will have new so the power rankings we have out right now will be changed because CMO knows that we have a big tournament coming up this weekend. Uh, we're going to get some more data points from teams like Sentinels and Immortals and TSM. Uh, I don't think, T- even if TSM doesn't do well this weekend, I don't think they're going to get you know, kicked off their number one perch. But a team like Sentinels is, I think, the team to watch out for this weekend because... Even though I don't count the 100 Thieves Charity Tournament too seriously because there was uh, no real prize money, it, was, it went to charity. Some of the teams, TSM specifically playing with Myth, were trolling, playing more off-agent uh, off picks. Drone was playing Sova, Cutler was playing Phoenix. Uh, I, they still were very impressive, and I do think that they're coming into this weekend tournament with a lot of uh, uh, momentum, and they play such an, an orthodox style that I think they could uh, mess up some teams.
0: So let's talk about the 100 Thieves tournament. Obviously, Hmm. it was a uh, Gamers for Quality uh, brought to you by Cash App. Uh, TSM didn't make it through groups. Neither did Cloud9 or 100 Thieves. And in the finals, it was Sentinels defeating Together We Are Terrific, Uh, two teams that you just spoke about. One team Mm -hmm. is in your top five. The other team, you would say, would be in your top five out of personal preference. So, Simo, uh, when you break down this tournament here, uh, are you like, do you how much weight do you give a tournament like this, given all that Tyler said, but still the fact that Sentinels won a tournament, TSM
1: consensus, number one, didn't make it out of groups. You know, when I think about even specifically the power rankings, there's a lot that I feel like can be missing in a way. Um, there are a lot of teams that are just trying to break it into Fionn's top 10, like Spot Up, Mix Up, Echo 8, Prospects, Charlotte Phoenix. So the list is, is quite endless with how many teams and really not to mention players that are trying to make it through. You look at a player like Thief. Um, mm-hmm. He's been bouncing from team to team. He's an incredible Cypher player. Um, and now he's being tried out by Immortals in place of JC Stani. And so there are a lot of players, even a player like Som as well, who's trying to navigate through the space and trying to find his way onto a team. Um, that I wonder if you should also have a power ranking show when it relates to players, like the top mm-hmm. 10 NA players. And, you already just and-
0: announced one show. You wanted to announce <laughs> two? <laughs> Coming on Tuesday
2: night. Steam yeah, just
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but to answer your question, Arta, how much weight do you really uh, give a tournament like this? I think if you have your usual suspects, it it does deserve some weight. You have tournaments that have, in some cases, more prize pool b- than this, but less viewership, and in some cases, less prize pool but more viewership. And so I don't think it really matters at the end of the day about the the scalability of the tournament itself, but rather the performance the teams put on. And and considering TSM has been I wonder if it's just their own strategy to compete in everything and anything, um, but it gives them the opportunity to go against teams like Charlotte Phoenix, like Echo 8, and have their taste of, of some weird and funky strats, team that's going to be competing oxygen supremacy. They love Odin. Did they define the Odin meta? Maybe. like um, It's possible, but there's no way that we can know that because mm-hmm. Sentinels pulled it out on a bigger stage than mm-hmm. a smaller team like Oxygen. So TSM gets to experiment with all these funky little teams, and we get to watch and get to calculate whether or not players are worthy in the top 10 uh, or not. So- yeah, I...
3: Ahead, I was figure. just gonna say, like, I think this was this weekend was like a big moment for Sentinels in, in this tournament, right? Like, it or earlier uh, this week, it was a big moment for Sentinels. Like, I don't think any one team has more pressure on it in Valorant than them. I think I don't mind saying that, right? Like, if you saw the, I'll go out on a whim here and show my hand a little bit. If you saw. <laughs> Earlier this week, the Esports Observer article about the average salaries in Valorant, right, and how they ranged from anywhere from $15,000 to $25,000 a month. Uh, Obviously, this was, like, highly contested among a lot of players and coaches and people in the space that that was inaccurate. But I would say, knowing what I know, that Sentinels was not a very cheap team. And they are certainly on one of the higher end of cost in Valorant altogether that you have to remember what you're dealing with here, right? Like, uh from great example, like, Sinatra's rookie contract in Overwatch was $150,000 a year. He was, like, he got an extension with a raise to play in Season 3 after that two-year deal was over, right? Like, this to put this roster together, they not only had to do some pretty large buyouts to get some of these players but they also had to actually pay a lot of money in salary, right? And I think that with that said, people knowing that, and just looking at the roster and who they recruited, right? They were like, Zom's a great Apex player who was already a part of the org, but, and Sinatra, right? Like, they brought in some names that make you think like, oh, wow, you have some really high expectations. And knowing <laughs> that they were not... A cheap team to put together I think a lot of people have a lot like are putting pressure on them to perform this weekend felt like a much-needed win even if some of the teams like hundred thieves and TSM trolling is not the right word but we're not taking it as seriously as they wouldn't a uh, ignition event
2: Kiko's internet also was out and he had to literally drive to a undisclosed location to play the final game of the tournament so
3: yeah
2: it was it was a, it was a weird situation but I do think Sentinels and together we are terrific. Both deserve uh, a lot of uh, praise for how they played. And I think Sentinels is a hard out for any team. I don't. I w- I w- I wouldn't put them with the TSM or T1s yet, or even Immortals. I think they're very much on the Immortals stage where they can be up and down. But they are a tough team to play against. And it's just... They're just a weird team. Like, Dapper, who is their Cypher player, and uh, Sick, their Sage player, are often the top two ACS players, the average combat scorers, which you don't see. Those are usually your defensive, your lower-ranked, you know, your your lurkers and the people who do the less amount of damage. But Dapper and Sick are... A lot of times, the 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 point men, the aces of the team, which is, and then you have Sinatra, who a lot of times will literally not do anything all around except sit in the back with an Odin and just wait for someone to come up and just go brr and just and just shoot gun and just spray mindlessly, and he'll get like, the like Odin work, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's such a weird, it's a very weird team where they don't go by the standard practices of what you would think of a Valorant Pro team in terms of, like, 1-5 to and what, you know, the Duelist does this, the Sentinel does this. Like, they play very, very differently, and I'm excited to see that, because as Simo said earlier, is that a lot of these teams have a a lot of a hive mind, right, where they see TSM or T1 do something well, and they're like, we're going to copy that. Where Sentinels is like, we're gonna do whatever we want. We're gonna go shoot. We're gonna wall bang through a wall. We're gonna take the <laughs> Odin. Say, hey, sick, you're sage, you go, you entry for us. Like they play such a weird and, and fun style that I'm actually really happy to see a team that looked really trash early on in the beta phase where they didn't really find an identity now they've kind of found this weird rebel misfit identity of playing what they want doing these weird tactics and it's working for them so they're definitely the team to watch in na right now if you're not looking at t1 or tsm
0: speaking of combat score the only player that has played over a hundred rounds in north america that has a combat score over 300 is tens yes
2: that's that's not surprising. He is he is he is. He is, he is I mean, m- many people, money pro players, and I think Tens is the best player in the region, maybe even the world, mechanically. Uh, his team, though, is not that great. So, well, well they're yeah, also in the tournament team, this weekend. His
0: team is in action this weekend. So let's mm-hmm. end the show talking about the two major tournaments this weekend: the Pulse Invitational and the Vitality uh, European Open. Let's start with Vitality only mm-hmm. because. I absolutely loved the format. I think that we should see a lot more open formats, even in North America, simply because this is, and I've spoken with at least two team owners that have yet to announce teams in Valorant in EU, and both of them have said, this is exactly the kind of tournament that we're scouting for, using to scout. This is the exact kind of tournament that we could look at a five stack even that might surprise us and say, all right, let's sign them all. So... I would not be surprised if particularly for the teams that are unsigned right now or five stacks looking for a major org in this tournament, that they get a lot of shine and a lot of eyeballs looking at them, particularly if they have good results. Also, coincidentally, 30% of these players are of Turkish descent. Tyler. (laughs) So are you telling me that Turkey will win a Valorant World Cup? Is that what I'm to believe here?
2: Uh... I don't want to burst your bubble, <laughs> but I would probably say the two Turkish teams might be the weakest in the vi- uh, the top eight of this tournament. Uh, just a quick <laughs> Fair thought. Enough. Fair uh, enough. Man. They, they did qualify. qualify. Oh, they did qualify. And uh, the third Turkish team, BBL Esports, almost qualified. Uh, they were very close. So you almost had three Turkish teams. But uh, looking at the Vitality Open, I think there's three teams, just to highlight really quickly. Uh, first one is obviously G2. They're the only team with a big org behind them entering this tournament. It's kind of their debut show. Uh, Carlos has spent yep. a lot of money. He Mixwell was one of, if not the most sought-after free agent uh, f- a month or two ago. Uh, deals from NA and Europe, from big organizations that even haven't even shown their cards yet, in Valorant, going after him to kind of make them his their ace player. Carlos got him. He got the Spaniard. He's, he's the kind of the face of European Valorant at the second. And you have Mixwell paired with uh, artist, who's probably the best operator, him or Chow, on Party Paris, or the best operator player in Europe right now. So you have Mixwell, artists, uh Pith, who's going to bring a lot of experience. I know Jacob knows him very well coming from the counter trait mm-hmm. scene. This team is very, very good. It's, it feels like, I feel like a lot of people are coming in this weekend thinking it's going to be a coronation of G2. Mm-hmm. Of this, is that, like, this is the time where G2 is going to take their first step to being a world champion. Carlos is already guaranteed this team's gonna be a world champion some like he's gonna read a
0: quote i just want to quickly read a quote that he gave to me for an article he said valorant is a game everybody plays at the this is from carlos everybody plays at the office all of us are hooked valorant will be a tier one title for us and we will be world champions in it
2: yeah and this is their first step so g2 comes in this tournament with a lot of expectations uh the other two teams i want to just quickly shout out is party parrots who are the best cis team I think a lot of people who have been watching a lot of uh, European Valorant would maybe even say they're the favorites coming this tournament. They're not unstoppable, but they're a very, very good team, and their star player is Xiao. Uh, he had not the greatest career in CSGO. He was kind of a relative unknown, but like a few other players who've switched to Valorant has kind of found his kind of step in the game. He's a very good player. Watch out for him. And the third team, uh, I call them team disrespected. We have Fabrican, the all Swedish team. They're kind of the sentinels of uh, Europe, where they con- they're not from the 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 the, the generic Counter Strike background. You have a few Overwatch pros, and their star player Zypan, is a Fortnite player, a former Fortnite player. Where I think a lot of people meme the Fortnite players for not having you know good accuracy. He only plays Raze. He 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 has played all Raze games, as you would expect from a Fortnite player. But he's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. He is a player. He plays entry rifler. He's the entry guy. He's not OPing a lot of the times. He's not the main OP of the team. He is outstanding. So Zipan, Shao, and I would say probably Mixwell and Artis are the four players I would watch out for this weekend because all four of those players could be top five, top 10 in the world.
0: Jacob, I want to throw it to you in a second, but I just want to say that Zipan, according to VLR.gg, which is a great Valorant stats site, at, in 730 rounds mm. that has been recorded, for Zypan, his average combat score is 315. He's
2: wow. a monster. He's a monster. That's, <laughs> That's unbelievable. That, yeah. That's he, unbelievable. Yeah, he's a monster. He plays rays. He knows how to damage. He knows how to rocket launch. Like, the man's a monster. Like, he, wow. is, he, he, got, he got brought onto the team about a month or two ago, and he really has shaped this Fabricant team into this unstoppable steamroller that it's become. And Zypan is definitely a player to watch. He's, he's really fun. So
0: so Jacob, knowing what you know about orgs and how they recruit an open tournament format like this, how many of these teams and players with decent showings do you expect to at least have conversations with major European orgs?
3: I would say fa- Fabricant for sure. Um, Prodigy, some of the players are, are available. Some of them are already signed to NIP. Uh, so I'm sort of curious to see what happens to that team as they sort of find, as as, as organizations figure out what the hell they're doing with those players. Um, Bonk is a team that I'm looking at for that from that regard. Um, one not in this tournament uh, that I think a lot of people will probably see get signed is Fish One Two Three. Obviously, yep. um, a big, Extreme. big, uh, a big name team after uh, making their name for over the past past couple of months in Valorant. I think the one thing, right? Like, there's two different types of approaches in professional Valorant at this point. Uh, it, it either you can do the G2 or the Sentinels, and you can go out there and throw your giant money bags around and recruit, like, <laughs> recruit what you presumably think you're guessing here a little bit, right? You're guessing on longevity and sort of like as the scene evolves, because I think we're like at the very early stages of competitive Valorant in terms of how good the game can be and like the highest level of play, like, where are the, where are the like one yard line of a 100 yard football field right like we got a long way to go to figure out what this could be but you can do the g2 or the sentinels thing and you can come out the gate swinging and get really popular players really strong players that you're betting on on long term and paying lots of money to do it right you can do that or you can take the approach of like sort of letting it play out and then sign sign the players right i think there are a lot of uh european orgs or north american and european global orgs that are playing that second game Where they are more so waiting to see which teams gel, waiting to see sort of how they play uh, generally, and then signing five stacks that have competitive results after a couple of months of the game being out of beta and and tournaments happening. And I think we're going to see more of that from the more conservative, uh, particularly in Europe, more than North American, more conservative investors in the esports space.
0: Well, we definitely got uh, a lot. Uh, Quickly, before we go and wrap up the show here, Simo, you're going to be commentating uh, the Pulse Invitational this weekend. Uh, What have you researched? What have you found? Just give us a little snippet, maybe a little preview going into the weekend.
1: Um, Well, for one thing, TSM needs to play better on Ascent. Uh, (laughs) That seems to be one of their biggest weak points. And at the T1 showdown, they just walked all over them. They hit A every single time. But at the end of the day, I feel like this is going to be similar to what we've already been talking about. Sentinels' opportunity to show that they are—I feel like—in the upper echelon of a top three team. Uh, Immortals—they got to figure out their situation with their fifth. What is happening there? Genji—I feel like—they need a little Mm -hmm. bit more practice. Um, I'm not quite sure why they're not breaking forward. You know, it does feel like a lot of French Canadian players are making their way forward in the um, the Valorant scene. Um, but the one thing that is kind of leaving my mind a little blank is when are certain tier 1 CSGO players going to make the jump over. And when they do, I feel like they may, if they haven't already been practicing, they may completely override some of these uh, CSGO players that have already made the jump to Valorant. Um, and and these are some of the players that have been picked up by Jinji, have been picked up by Immortals. These players that couldn't really quite make it quite far in their CS career. Um, they had a decent one, but not,
3: like, your Stewie 2Ks, not your I mean, even even on teams like T1 and TSM, right? Like, point here. It, it, I was going to say, sorry, like, even t- or players on those teams, right? Like, Food and Crashies were not top Counter-Strike players, yeah. ever. They yeah. were talented Counter-Strike players, and they are young, so presumably they could have gotten there with enough hard work. But they were not top players. Yeah, the TSM team, like every single one, almost every single one of them, with the exception of Wardell, maybe, and in a few other, like one or two others, like almost every player on the TSM team was a washed Counter Strike player. Player, right? Like they were bad at the end of their careers. Like Hayes and Cutler were way past their expiration dates as top Counter Strike players in North America, right? Like it's bad. And and like <laughs> I, I I will say, as someone plugged into that scene a lot, I obviously do my own my own Counter Strike uh, show. Like, no, I don't think top Counter-Strike players, despite that they could, will come into the scene. One one reason Counter-Strike is, like, the second-highest compensation game of any any game in all of esports, right behind League of Legends, right? Like, League of Legends pays hundreds, like, upper hundreds of thousands of dollars, seven hundred, eight hundred, nine hundred thousand dollars $900,000 for top players. Counter-Strike isn't that far behind at this point, right? Because the game is the second-biggest in the world. Valorant's not there yet. It will get like- there, I think, but I feel like... Like there's not as much incentive if you are yeah. a liege or right. if you are simple to make that jump as as there as there are if you are Cutler or Hayes. Your CS career is more or less done, and you make that jump. We're up
0: against it here on time, unfortunately. That <laughs> wraps things up
3: for us here. We got to end right in the middle of a
0: conversation. I apologize. I opened up a can Don't of Don't forget that the, on Monday at 9 p.m. Eastern, Tyler's Valorant rankings program begins uh, i'll be there to duel with him on power rankings on episode number one but his show will be every single monday at 9 p.m eastern so you're getting a second espn esports valorant show so young in the esports career that's how we do things here on espn esports and we're always happy to see you simo thanks for joining us bud thank you for having me and i'm sure that you will be back at some point point. and you watching us please come back on thursday watch the ranking show on monday and join us here thursday every single week usually at 8 p.m. Eastern. We started late because of the Warzone tournament, but we're back at 8 p.m. Eastern on Thursday. Good vibes, everybody. Take care.